This is Teeming with Ideas, the podcast that explores how people at work work together. I'm Carlos Valdez Depena, your host, and I spent decades working with teams as well as researching, writing, and speaking about collaboration. Over the years, I've met some brilliant people, academics, business leaders, managers, consultants, who share my passion for collaboration. In Teeming with Ideas, I'll be speaking with these experts who will share their thoughts, experiences, theories, and practices so that you can put them to work to make your work life richer and more rewarding. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Janet Aldrich, producer of Teeming with Ideas by Carlos Valdez Tapena. In this series, he'll be asking a lot of interesting people a lot of interesting questions, but I have some questions for him. Carlos. Yes. Hi, Janet. Hi. Where did you get the idea for teeming with ideas? Where does that come from? I'm all about the big ideas in, in this area of collaboration and teamwork. It's, that, it's what animates me, and it's what I'm interested in hearing about from others. What are the ideas they hold, they promote, or even ideas that they think are rubbish, right? I'm really interested in the big ideas, and it just when I was pondering that aspect of myself and the sandbox I like to play in, it was teams and teaming. And I thought, ah, oh, that's cute. Teaming with ideas. Just one of those serendipitous moments. I must say of all the people I know, if there's anyone who's really teaming with ideas, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> do you like being in a team? Do you like working in teams? Oh, so do I like being a member of a team or leading yeah. a team? Yeah. 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 Um, all of us, I think, like to be successful. And I've been a leader of a team and I have felt successful from time to time, but I used to be focused on leadership and leadership development. And I have a very clear idea of what great leadership looks like and even how to help people get to be great leaders. But I don't think I'm one of them myself, quite honestly. Now, as to being a member of a team, I love it. It's the most rewarding thing I ever did. I worked at Mars, as you know, for 17 years. I worked at IBM before that. And it was always those times when we got together and created stuff together, solved problems together, overcame obstacles together. Nothing gives me or gave me greater joy or greater sense of accomplishment. So I love it. Therefore, I love it when a team is well-led and at its best. And that's what got me into the work. You co-created the high-performance team collaboration framework at mm -hmm. Mars yeah. with your team. Yeah. What was that inspired by? Well, I think it was pretty practical, actually. We were spending, when I say we, I mean Mars, was spending millions and millions of dollars a year on team effectiveness. And they were looking for something they could give to managers as part of a manager training program to help them help themselves. Most of what you pay for in the team building space is facilitated by very skilled, knowledgeable, experienced people people who spend their time focusing on helping teams grow and be better and doing fairly specialized things, whether they're ropes courses or Myers-Briggs workshops or whatever. Managers day-to-day -day leading a team don't have those skills or capability, but they still need to have some sense of how to lead a team. In fact, Mars had a competency called building effective teams. And consistently, when we looked at the compiled data, competency data across Mars leaders, that competency came out in the bottom, building effective teams. So they were just looking for something they could do that didn't involve bringing in outside experts all the time, something we could create or give to managers that would enable them to build great teams themselves. And that's what led ultimately to the high performance collaboration framework. How many teams have you worked with at Mars? Oh, man. 
Somewhere in the high hundreds, close to a thousand teams. Over the six years I was doing it. Now, some of them were two-day intensive workshops. Others were teleconferences for a few hours, but always with the same aim, which was to enhance their effectiveness as a team. I worked with a lot of teams. And I worked with teams at IBM before I came to Mars as well. And I worked with teams at DDI when I was an external consultant in, in the 1990s. So a lot of teams overall. I just got to put a plug in here for the fact that you have 10 siblings yeah, and, I, and that you I, grow up as part of a team and collaborating was how you guys got fed. <laughs> it's true. Right? It's true. We did not, um, we were not able to keep folks on as child caregivers with, with 11 kids in the house. Um, and so we ended up having to clean house, cook, feed ourselves, prepare entire meals for everybody make sure things were tidy. We looked out for ourselves and often that involved getting along, even though as we know, families don't always get along well. And we didn't, but we had shared interests, right? And that's kind of what we talk about in my professional today, but also back then, that's what we needed. We needed to eat, right? We had to have nourishment. And the only way we're gonna get it is if we had some ways of working together to, to produce it. And by the way, I'm talking about 10 year olds making dinner for 13 people here, 11 kids and two parents, 10 year olds, right? As well as doing the, doing the laundry, et cetera, et cetera. How many were allowed in the kitchen at the same time? Not more than two usually. It wasn't about loud. The kitchen was huge. It was a, we lived in a big old house and the kitchen had that big table in it. It was actually a big picnic table. So when we weren't eating at the big dinner table, we would sit down and have breakfast or lunch at that, at that table in small groups. <laughs> Correct. Wow. So coming from this team atmosphere of family life, you went on to study what in college and why? Uh, uh, both my parents were professors, by the way. Um, and I went on, I think, to their disappointment to study theater. I, I had no, how do I put this? I don't think I had, I had no interest in business. I had no skills with numbers. I was really quite poor at math. Uh, and that meant I was quite poor at the sciences that involved math, which ends up being pretty much all of them. But I could stand up in front of groups and carry on. I just had an innate ability to do that. And I thought, well, you make the most of your strengths. I didn't think of it that way, of course. And I went to get a degree in theater and then a master's degree in theater. And I thought it wasn't an actor I wanted to be. It was a professor, not surprisingly, because of my background. I thought I'd go teach acting. That was my early academic background. Seems to make sense having collaborated with your brothers and sisters and then gone on to a study of collaboration in the theater. That makes sense to me. Well, of course, I never thought about it as collaboration, whether it was working with my brothers or sisters or being in a play, but you're right. I think theater of the two sets of experiences is the more collaborative, more of a discipline around collaboration. Mm -hmm. You do not pull that show off unless you are collaborating with the lighting person who's trying to ensure you he's put the light or she's put the light in the spot where you're going to be for the most dramatic moment. And the director's trying to help you get there and your fellow actors are trying to clear out so you can do that. And, and there's a lot of give and take that way. Uh, it's an immensely collaborative art. Uh, and it taught me an awful lot about how you work together with others successfully, even if you don't like them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. We could do great shows, and you and I did a few together. We never sat down and did any team building. No, it, it was. Rehearsals was right, team building. Right. We, the, the work was the team building, and that's what we tried to give managers in this framework I talked about earlier. We tried to give them a framework that they could work within using their work as the foundation. 
that may well come from my background in the theater where the work was the growth. Well, that's interesting because you frequently state that conventional team building does not lead to collaborative results. Conventional team building doesn't help teams become more effective collaborators. Right. Something like that, right? And look, it's, it's conventional team building. Included in there are ropes courses, um, uh, trust falls, escape rooms, tick on down the list. They're fun. They can help us get to know each other. I have question marks around whether they build trust or not. When you're shooting your colleagues in the back with a paintball, I don't suggest that does a lot to build trust, but uh, they're fun and, and they're relaxing and teams need a place to let off steam. So that's all good. But do they make teams of any kind more effective at collaborating and producing and co-creating results? Not that any study I've ever seen shows. In fact, my experience with all those teams attests to the same thing those things don't move the team forward in terms of improving their collaboration. I'm an actor as well, and I still am. But to your point, I see that rehearsals are great. It's a great way to get used to telling the story. But when you really learn to trust your fellow actor, it's are they there? Are they really present? Are they really telling the story in front of an audience? They do what they do, and we respond, mm. right? We work off of them. There's a term we use a lot in that discipline. I work off your fellow actor. Sometimes our fellow actors are terrible. I mean, <laughs> when I was in grad school, we had paid actors on stage with us from New York, and we were the grad students doing the little tiny extra roles. And I was, I, I, I'll never forget marveling at how, just how bad some of these people were, and they were getting paid for it. Um, so, but my job was to not let that get in the way. I had to deliver the goods. I had to be part of telling the story collectively. Sometimes your fellow actors are great. They give you a lot to work with. You build a rapport that's really magical and you work off each other in a dynamic and exciting way. And sometimes you're struggling with it, but the job is you just keep doing it. You just work with what you get. Now, in the workplace, it's a little different, right? If my colleague isn't carrying their weight, we need to have a conversation about that. I suppose on stage from time to time, I would have conversations with people about what we were trying to achieve in a scene. In the workplace, or you'd go to the director or the director yeah, would be yeah, there. Yeah, the director is there to help as a team leader might be there to help. But ultimately in the workplace, we are accountable for working through our own stuff with people. We can't always be running to our manager to solve our differences or our problems, right? We right. have to do what we can and only involve others where we think we might get some useful coaching. There are, there are a lot of bridges between the, the world of the theater that I thought I would end up in and, and the work I do today, for sure. It's kind of fun talking about it. We haven't had this conversation before. <laughs> what brought us together, right? It did. Um, briefly, how does team collaboration factor in to engagement? I would be having a guest on actually down the road, someone you've met before and someone who has been an external consultant for many, many years, Dana Watson. Dana specializes in what she calls employee experience versus engagement. Employee experience is the thing you do to get the high levels of engagement that you want, right? If engagement means how committed are people to their work and to the place they work, how much do they show discretionary effort? Someone who's willing to go above and beyond, as, as the cliche goes, typically is highly engaged. They're willing to do it because they really like their work. That's engagement. But what we know about engagement and collaboration is this. We looked at that. I had a colleague at Mars, Damian Welsh, who specialized in engagement. 
and I was the collaboration guy. And we knew that doing a formal study would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to design and then execute. So we just had to work from the data we had in front of us, which said that teams were adopting the framework for high performance collaboration in order to address their desire to have higher engagement. In other words, teams were getting their engagement surveys once a year. The numbers weren't great. They would turn to what we called HPC, high performance collaboration. They would turn to that as the first tool. And then they found it worked really, really well. Anecdotally, we could tell you that teams using the framework had higher levels of sustained engagement and growth in their engagement over time. Did we do a rigorous academic study? Again, no, we didn't. We didn't have the resources, time, or money. But experientially, it looked pretty freaking strong, that, that correlation between using this structured approach to helping teams work better together and engagement. How did this high-performing teams or high-performance teams thing come about? Did you create that or was that, did, was that already in existence? There's quite a story there. And if you read my book, Lessons from Mars, How One Global Company Cracked the Code on High Performance Collaboration and Teamwork, visit my website for more. Um, if people read that book, they'll, they'll, they'll learn that story. I'll try to summarize it here. Mars was investing millions of dollars in a fairly conventional approach to team building using external consultants. This mm -hmm. is 2000 to 2003, so forth. This one consultancy we used, New Jersey-based, talked about what they did as high-performance teams. HPT, yeah. they called it. Very conventional methodology based in this four stages of team development that, that has been around since the 60s. So there was a commitment there and Mars was spending time and money on it. It wasn't producing sustainable results and changes that made a difference to teams. There was an important change that happened. What that HPT approach did was force people to have conversations they had not been having. So it encouraged slash forced teams to have some of the uncomfortable conversations about what they disagreed about, what they didn't like, what were they unhappy about with each other. It brought to the surface a lot of nasty stuff that had been pushed down and was driving really some very political behaviors with people going behind each other's backs. Mm -hmm. So the HPT approach really succeeded in getting Mars leaders to talk to each other honestly and candidly much needed and really an important building block for what would become HPC, High Performance Collaboration, the framework my colleagues and I developed. HPC is all about people working together on how to structure their work so that their collaboration is optimal. You can't have those conversations with each other if you're not telling each other the truth, right? You need, in HPC, you need to be able to speak your truth. It's a fundamental to it. And HPT really set us up to do that. And what we found now, we've taken HPC out of Mars, we've gone into companies, and what they're saying is, this is great. We have some bridges we need to cross around getting people to talk to each other to make it work. And so we've actually expanded what HPC means, at least in my practice. So what we know about HPC is it benefits from some of that preliminary work in how do we just talk to each other? How do we have those courageous conversations we need to have so that we can then use HPC optimally? And we've built that into our practice. Now, just because you and I are now telling each other the uncomfortable truths we've been pushing down for perhaps years, doesn't mean we're going to work any better together. It just means we'll stop getting in each other's way. So this all ties into building trust first doesn't necessarily mean right, lead right. to good collaboration. That is correct. That is something I talk about. Trust is an outcome of doing things well together.
right? Mm -hmm. So as is psychological safety, that sense that I can speak my mind in a team and not get put down for it or be dismissed. It's how we approach our work together that produces those things, trust and psychological safety. And HBC is designed expressly to foster those things, anchored in the work that matters to us. So a generic trust building conversation between you and I that has nothing to do with the work we're doing doesn't usually get much traction because I got nothing at stake. If I don't have to work with you, why should I bother trying to go through the, the real discomfort of awkward trust building conversations when you and I have nothing to say together. We might as well just keep going our separate ways and we'll be fine. Mm. But if we intersect, if we have to work together, start the conversation about here's this thing that we're doing, this thing that we are expected to create an outcome from. Here's some differences in how we approach it. Let's talk about those. Let's talk about how we can bridge those differences to get this job done together. First of all, it enables the conversation between people because it's based in something they both care about, right? And it has more lasting effect because it's based in something real. We've seen each other in action, in the trenches, doing the real work. You said um, every episode, every interview will end with so what? For the listeners, I'm interested in having them listen to these podcasts to learn more about effective collaboration. Subscribe, or, or at least listen to a few. A couple of things to be aware of. I'm going to have on some people I disagree with which I think is gonna make for some really powerful conversation. So don't expect just to hear the Carlos take on collaboration in every episode of this podcast. Expect to see me probing, exploring, and learning from some really smart and experienced people, whether they are consultants or professors, or I'm gonna have on regular old team members talking about the changes they've been through, how they find collaboration to work. Just subscribe and see what you learn on my journey of learning from these experienced, capable people. Subscribe, learn, like, share, all of those. Yeah, those I'm two, excited. right? Yep. I, yep. I'm, I'm excited. Like it, share it, review it. And uh, look, if there are listeners who think they've got a story to tell in the space of working with others at work, visit uh, carlosvdepanda.com and sign up to uh, be a part of our podcast. Who is your next Who's the person you're speaking to in your first episode? So my first episode will feature a guy I met working at Mars Incorporated. He was uh, an import. He was on assignment to the U.S. from the U.K. His name is R.V. Desi, D-H-E-S-I, Arvinder Desi. And R.V. came over to be a part of our organization effectiveness team at Mars North America, based in Hackettstown. Brilliant, beautifully spoken person, articulate, creative iconoclastic, all the things I'd like to be when I grow up. <laughs> and Arvi was my boss. And in fact, he said he couldn't be my boss. We had to be partners. And he worked very much that way. We were in partnership with another guy named Todd Freiling, who's gone on to become a partner at a small consulting firm in Tennessee. But Arvi will be my first guest. He now works for Corn Ferry. He worked for Towers Watson for a while, both big HR consulting firms. And he's really distinguished himself in his field, working especially with senior leaders. He will be my first guest, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I think our listeners are going to really get a lot out of it and probably wish they could get to know RV a little better than they will be able to in our 30 minutes. But we'll go as deep as we can. Well, I'll be sure when I produce this to put a link to his website on there. Yes, let's do that for everybody. Hi, I'm Janet Aldrich, producer and director of Teaming with Ideas. Thanks for listening. And thank you for the music, John Wallerick and Brent Peterson. 
If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, review, and share. Want more? Visit Carlos's blog, Teeming with Ideas, at carlosvdapena.com. Questions? Click on the Contact Carlos button, and we'll answer promptly. To be interviewed on the Teeming with Ideas podcast, visit carlosvdapena.com forward slash podcast dash contact and complete the questionnaire. Thanks again for listening, and keep on teeming with ideas.